scripture reading comes from Romans 8, 16 through 25. That can be found on your pew Bible, page 800. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it in hopes that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Thanksgiving is over, so we've had our opportunity to have grateful hearts and be around cherished friends and Fill our bellies. Now, it's almost over. We're at the precipice of Advent, which is understood to be that wonderful time of waiting in anticipation for the birth of Jesus. And this vital theme so closely associated with Advent reminds us about the importance of this spiritual discipline of waiting. It's a critical discipline, not just for Advent season, but really for all of life, but we acknowledge that it is not easy. It's not even easy in small ways, whether you're in traffic, whether you're in a, a grocery checkout line, whatever it might be, but, but what if it's something even more significant? What if you have been waiting for a long time to have a child? You're, you're married and you want so badly to have a child and it just seems not to be happening and it is difficult to wait. What about that job promotion that you've been so waiting for, that you so richly deserve, and yet it is not coming yet. Or it might be a job transition. It might well be waiting on a job. Or it might be a relational issue. You're waiting to see how something is going to resolve with you in relationship to someone else. What about a financial situation? What about, we heard from a college student earlier what about waiting to hear if you're going to get into a certain school waiting on whether or not you got a scholarship to a certain place can be a number of things we have to wait for so I come back to you and ask you as I did at the beginning of the worship hour what is it you're waiting for right now if you had to pinpoint something in your life where you are really in need of clarity of 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 resolution of closure, whatever it might be, what might that be? Just think about that and you realize how difficult waiting is. It's tough. Lewis, Lewis Smead put it well. He said, waiting is our destiny. 
As creatures who cannot by themselves bring about what they hope for, we wait in darkness for a flame we cannot light. We wait in fear for a happy ending that we cannot write. We wait for a not yet that feels like not ever. Let me say that again. We wait for a not yet that feels like not ever. Now, the Bible is full of waiting. The phrase, wait on the Lord itself, that alone appears in the Old Testament 43 times. Can't help but think about people in Scripture who had to wait. Abraham, at an advanced age, is told that he's going to have a child after waiting for a long time, but then he has to wait for 24 more years. Moses is told he's going to lead the people to the promised land of Israel 40 years until he can at least see where they will eventually be. And then just think about the nation of Israel itself, waiting generation after generation after generation in hope of this long-awaited Messiah. But where is he? And they have literally waited for centuries. And that brings you really down to the Advent story itself. And we will talk about these two characters during the Advent season. There's Simeon, who was the man who had so long waited for, as it says in the birth story of Jesus in Luke, he had waited for the consolation of Israel. And you have Anna, who was 84 years old, who year after year after year had fasted and prayed at the temple, waiting for this Messiah to arrive. I even think of the disciples who were rather wayward in their thinking and their understanding of who Jesus was, but nevertheless, they were waiting for the redemption of Israel, for Israel to come in all of its glory, even after Jesus has been with them for 40 days in his risen state, you look at Acts chapter 1 and they look at him and say, now are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? The Bible is full of waiting and people struggling with the waiting, but then you get to Paul. Then there's Paul. And he has this discipline down. Here is someone who waited out so many different challenges. He waited out everything from snake bites to heal, from storms at sea to subside, physical ailments that he had, unjust imprisonments that he endured, always waiting, but he handled it so well. How did he do that? How did Paul do that? This is someone who is justified with the last verse that Clarence read a moment ago about what we hope for, we wait for patiently. Paul was one who could do that, had the capacity to do that. How did he do that? Well, first of all, he realized the primary purpose of waiting. And really, he knew what the primary purposes of waiting are not. Now, let me give you one that I know is so obvious, but we will nod our heads and say amen to it, but we will realize, again, how difficult it is for you and me. First of all, the primary purpose of waiting is not to get something when we want it. <laughs> primary purpose of waiting is not to get something when we don't want it. We are on God's eternal time, not our own egocentric chronological time. I know you know that, but let's reiterate that for ourselves this morning. Peter put it so well in his second chapter, his second book rather, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that the Lord with him one day is like a thousand years, and our thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. With God, one day is like a thousand years. 
and his time is eternal. But sometimes we look at it selfishly, wanting God's time to be our times, but it's just not that way. I heard about a businessman who read this very passage about a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And he decided he could get an edge on that. And so he decided to talk to God directly about it. And he said, God, is it true that a thousand years for us is like one minute to you? And God said, yes. He said, so a million dollars for us is like one penny to you, right? God said, yes. He said, well, Lord, could I have one of those pennies? And God said, sure, wait just a minute. I'll say that a little slower next time so we can all celebrate it. But so often we want to be on our time and not God's time. I know we know that, but we need to hear that again. The primary purpose of waiting is not to get something when we want it. But I want to get even more to the point. And I'm not going to go in depth on this very statement, but I'm going to take it to just where we need to go. The primary purpose of waiting is also not to get what we are hoping for. Not necessarily. Let me say that again. In fact, I'm not even going to qualify it with not necessarily. Here we go. The primary purpose of waiting is not to get what we are hoping for. Now, that's hard for you and me to stomach. But if you are a biblical confessing believer in Jesus Christ, what is the purpose of waiting? What is the primary purpose of it? And the primary purpose of waiting for a confessing Christian is to be challenged to become more of what God wants us to be. To become more conformed to his will. I agree with N.T. Wright, the great New Testament scholar, who says this whole section that includes these verses, it actually goes back to Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 3. Let me just, and if you have your Bibles, go back to Romans chapter 5. Because this whole section is about celebrating suffering. It's about celebrating the fact that we have to wait through a lot of suffering and hardship and trial in our lives. And he begins it really at verse 3 in chapter 5, where it says this. And notice how this takes patience, but what it does for us. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, does that happen overnight? (laughs) Does that happen in a week, maybe even a year? No, no, no. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. But that takes waiting, doesn't it? Yes. But what is the ultimate goal of all this? Well, N.T. Wright is correct. You go over to chapter 8, verse 30. In fact, let's go to verse 29, rather. Chapter 8, verse 29, where he says what? For those... You know, let me go back. Verse 28, we all know so well. (laughs) I keep backtracking, but this is such a well-known passage. We know that in all things God, help me with this, in all things God works for good, for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. Powerful. One of the best passages in all of scripture. But then look what he says right after that. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be what? What does it say in your, does it say conformed? To be conformed to the image of his son. That is the primary purpose, my friends, of waiting. To be more of what God wants you to be, to challenge you to have more of the faith that you are called to have. Even more so than getting what you are hoping for. The challenges that we face and that we wait upon and wait through. The reason we go through those things is that we might be more conformed to the image of God's Son, 
Jesus Christ. Even when we're waiting for suffering to be over and we're waiting and wondering how is all this going to shake down? How is it all going to pan out? We wait in faith. And I want to say very quickly, this is not a laissez-faire, lazy kind of waiting. It's proactive waiting. It's getting on and getting on with things. It's, it's being faithful. It's living out in trust. It's being productive. It's that kind of proactive waiting. So the primary purpose of waiting is not to get what we're hoping for. It's to be more conformed to who Christ is. Why? Because we want him to be glorified. Why? So that others might see Jesus in our lives, especially as we are waiting through adversity. A Brookwood member preached this to me with their life this past week. Um, and, I, and I don't want to be real specific, but someone got some, uh, uh, I'll, I'll say, troubling news. And, and I called that person this past week. And what astounded me, first of all, was how the person just immediately started encouraging me <laughs> and affirming me. And this is the person who got some, some difficult news. And, and, and all they talked about was, I just hope that God will be glorified through this. I, I, I hope that I will be an example of faith to my family, to my church family. And I texted this person later, just, just letting the person know, you know, I'm praying for you. And, and, and I wish I could read this whole thing, but I don't want to. I, I just, I'm going to be more vague, purposefully vague. But one thing that's really stood out in this text that I received from this person, it said, my prayer is to come through it more in tune to his love and grace, and thus being far more effective in living it out. Can I, can I read that again? This is at the very end of the text. My prayer is to come through it more in tune with his love and grace, and thus being far more effective in living it out. That's how you wait. Can you and I say right now, that would be our primary motivation right now, when some challenge is thrown in our face? My hope and prayer is that through this, regardless of what happens... As I'm waiting to see how this is going to pan out, you know what? I'm going to remain a proactive waiter. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to get on with things. Such a blessing. I mean, this, this <laughs> tribe member just, just fleshing it out for me. I was so blessed by that. And the great news is there's more. There's more to it. Yes, the challenge in this life with waiting, is to be conformed more to his will. But there's more to it. <laughs> How many of y'all know who Ron Popeil is? Ron Popeil? How many of y'all remember Mr. Microphone? Y'all remember Mr. Microphone? Okay, if you don't remember, what about the pocket fisherman? Popeil's pocket fisherman, anybody remember that? Uh, how about the, what was the dilemmatic food slicer? Okay, now we're, now we're okay. The smokeless ashtray? Uh, the food dehydrator where you could make turkey jerky, which sounded so exciting to me. Uh, or the rotisserie cooker, which is his bestseller, where you, where you set it and forget it. Thank you. Who got that? Who got it? All right. Set it and forget it. I know where you're doing your Christmas shopping. Anyway. But all the, and not just Ron Popeil. He's the one that tickles me because I don't know how he sells things so effectively, but you go to all these infomercials, you still have these, these even just 60-second commercials on TV, and, and it's giving some big pitch, and they're just telling you this is the greatest thing, this will transform your life, it'll be the greatest thing ever to enter into your existence. And you think that the pitch is over, but they always say toward the end what? But wait, 
there's more, right? But wait, there's more. And that's really the crux of what Paul is trying to get at here. But wait, there's more. Let me go to verse 30 of Romans chapter 8. Verse 30. Now again, he's just been talking about being conformed to the likeness of his son. That's what waiting is about. Glorifying Christ even amidst times of difficulty that you're waiting out. But he ends this whole section with what? And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified, that is, saved. And those he justified or saved, he also glorified. Now, that's not, that's not glorified in the way that we glorify God. It's that we get to participate in that glory. Ultimately, by being with him face to face. And, and, and this is not smiley escapism. This is gritty realism here this is what we're talking about it's it, it's not denying the fact that we have suffering in this life but it's saying wait there is more you know we are privileged and blessed solely to have the opportunity to know jesus christ and to try to strive to be more like him each and every day and be conformed to his image but even when we fail to do that we still get this, I won't call it a reward, because folks, we don't deserve it. And when we leave this earth, we might not be as deserving as we were five years ago, ten years ago, ten minutes ago. But we still have that incredible gift of grace that he offers to us. And because of that, everything else pales in comparison to it. Here's the crux of the matter. Go to verse 18 here in chapter 8. I consider, that's a great word, I'm going to go back to that. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now that word consider, you might even want to underline, it's, it's logizomai in, in the Greek. Logizomai, it's a great word, it's an accounting term. Pierce Bevel, Joe, everybody else. It's an accounting, bookkeeping metaphor, and it literally means, this is what this verb logizomai means, it says consider at least in the NIV, it means literally to calculate carefully so as to offer a definitive conclusion. Can I say that again? To calculate carefully so as to offer a definitive conclusion. Paul is saying here, I'm not offering my private opinion. I'm not telling you how I feel about this. He's saying, I'm looking at all the data of this world that has been created, of these lives that we are all living, this very life that I have been given, this relationship with Jesus Christ, all of these graces, all of these gifts, and the greatest gift of all, which is eternal life, which I have experienced presently through salvation and will in the long run through sharing in the glory with him. And all that I go through here, I conclude, is so far outweighed by what awaits me. There's no comparison. I've looked at it all, I've considered it all carefully, and here is the word, for you, what we will experience later is so amazing. And I wish we had time to unpack this. Verses 19 through 23 are so great. It's a wonderful word. Basically what it's saying is even as we are in this broken, frustrating world, one day we will receive the redemption of our decaying bodies. We will rise from the dead. But look at verse 24. Because he says, this is all great news, but still you've got to wait. Look at verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. What is the hope? The redemption of our decaying bodies for in this hope we are saved but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already 
have. What, he's, what is he saying here? He's saying, I have seen my salvation from sin. I have experienced that personally in my life, and I am so blessed by that. And I'm so blessed to come to Brookwood to, to worship God and give thanks to him for that redemption that he offered me. But now I wait for the hope of the glory to come. The only issue is, as Paul said in another book, I see through a glass darkly. I can't see it yet. I'm hoping for what I have not yet seen, but I know that it is there. And that's where it takes waiting. That's where it takes proactive, faithful surrender to God. There's a wonderful uh, image of this, I think, in a book by Henry Nowen, one of the last books he ever wrote called Sabbatical Journeys. And he apparently was really good friends with these trapeze artists who travel around with circus. It was the Flying Rodellas, and they were world, worldwide known. And they were good friends of his. And, and one of them one day began to talk to him about the significance of the relationship between the flyer and the catcher, the one who is swinging and lets go and waiting for the catcher. And, and what Henri now learned from these fellows was this. There's just a common phrase that trapeze artists say to one another, which is the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher. In other words, when the flyer lets go of his trapeze and he's, he's arcing over toward the catcher, he has to remain as still as possible, waiting to be caught. The temptation is to start flailing your arms and to start trying to control the situation that you're grasping for hands, but you're really just going to be grasping for air. You've got to remain as still as you can. To remind you, be still and know that I am God. You've got to remain as still as you can and trust that the catcher is going to catch you. I wonder if in some way, when I asked you earlier, you know, what are you waiting for now? What is it you're needing closure on, clarity on, whatever it might be? You might be at a vulnerable point with that. And God is challenging you right now to be conformed to his image in the sense that you need to remain still. You, you might have even let go of the bar, but you're tempted to flail around and control the situation yourself instead of remaining still and letting him be your God, and you're still waiting for him to catch you. But it takes trusting that that's what he's going to do. The flyer has to wait for the catcher. Maybe that's where you are in your life. I want to go back to that word of Paul's, consider. I've thought through all of this and I realize that what awaits when we are ultimately caught is so much greater than all that we face here in this life. And folks, that is worth waiting for. I want to close with this story. I've used it one other time, but it just, it, it spoke to me again as I studied this. Uh, Dave Stone, uh, when he was young, uh, had a brother named Scotty who was older than him but had cerebral palsy, has cerebral palsy, I should say. And when Dave was a little boy, they were riding in the back seat. Uh, he was in a regular car seat. Uh, his brother, Scotty, was in one of those special seats for people with CP. They would wheel him up in the wheelchair and place him in the car, and they would go on their way. But he's sitting in the back there with his brother, Scotty. His mother is driving the car, and he looks up at his mom and says, says Mom, when is Scotty going to be able to walk? And, and he said, as he recalls, it was a very awkward <laughs> uncomfortable moment for his mom and she paused for a long time and finally she said well scotty's honey scotty's not gonna walk he's not gonna walk what, but, but but when will he walk well he's not going to what do you mean he's not gonna walk and she thought about it and she caught herself and she said well not anytime soon he'll walk when he gets to heaven 
And Dave thought about that, and he thought, wait, he's not going to walk? He's not going to walk at all till he gets to heaven? She said, yeah, Dave, that's right. And he thought about that for just a minute, and he said, well, then, we'll just wait. It's a good word. And we can wait, too. Lord, be with us even now as we struggle with something in our own lives for which we are waiting. We confess to you that we sure could use clarity on some things. We sure could use a word on something that will make us feel less anxious, make us feel like things are more resolved. And yet, Lord, we confess that in our broken, depraved minds and souls, we we struggle with that. But we pray that you would help us to be faithful. Help us to not only let go of the bar, but to be still and wait for you to catch us, whenever that might be. Most of all, O God, may we recall that hard but clear truth that regardless of how something resolves itself in this earthly world, more importantly, we should be showing others our faithfulness even as we wait through the suffering, the adversity, the uncertainty, whatever it might be. We sang a moment ago, O God, about how great your faithfulness to us always is. Lord, teach us, help us to be more faithful to you even as we wait. We pray these things in your name. Amen.